John 1, 29-31 The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. I want to zoom in on that first verse, particularly the expression, Lamb of God. Interestingly, it is only found in two places in the Bible, here and just a few verses later in verse 36. But when I think of the weight of this phrase, it deserves our focused attention today. Trying to nail down the precise meaning of this expression and how it connects to the rest of the Bible might be an exercise in futility. There isn't likely a one-to-one reference here, but instead a more general understanding which gives us a window to look through and understand the grace of God found for us in Christ. Connections can be made from Genesis to Revelation with this phrase. First, in Genesis 22.8, when Isaac asks his father Abraham where the lamb for the burnt offering is, Abraham replies, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, a beautiful foreshadow of what is to come in Christ. In the famous suffering servant passage found in Isaiah, it prophesies in verse 7 of chapter 53 that the Messiah would be oppressed and afflicted, being led like a lamb to the slaughter. In Jeremiah 11:19, there is a plot to kill the prophet Jeremiah by the people of his own town, and he says that he, quote, had been like a gentle lamb led to the slaughter, end quote. In 1 Peter 1.19, Peter refers to Jesus as a lamb without blemish, a defect. In Revelation 5.6, John sees a lamb in his vision and says it looked as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne. And finally, in Revelation 13.8, it says that this lamb, Jesus, was slain from the creation of the world. This was the plan all along. This probably seems a bit archaic to us, this sacrifice of a lamb. In the book of Exodus, We see this prescribed as something that for generations to come, a lamb needed to be offered regularly in the morning and at night for the sins of the people, that they might approach God, meet Him, and hear from Him. And yet, a quick look at my own life shows that I'm constantly doing this, trying to find some sort of atonement for my sins, trying to make it right. When I struggle, particularly with my deep sin, I find myself almost unconsciously jumping to clean the entire house and get things orderly. I'll often stop 30 minutes in and realize that I don't care as much about a clean house, but instead, to feel like I've done something good, right, and productive with my time after I've stumbled into sin. At the heart of my cleaning is a belief that there is something I must do now that I'm a Christian to atone for my repeated sins. Sure, Christ forgave me when I became a Christian, but surely there should be some progress by now. God isn't just going to keep forgiving over and over. I'm a Christian. I should be better. But this is the exact attitude we see the writer of Hebrews attacking. Those daily sacrifices made were never enough to cover our sins for all time. They had to be made repeatedly. They had to be done, day and night, to cover the sins of the people. Yet what we see in Jesus, the Lamb of God, is the one who bears the sin of the whole world, past, present, and future. And remember, when Jesus went to the cross, all our sin was future sin. Therefore, for us to believe that Christ, right now as you sit listening to this podcast, can't, won't, or is unwilling to forgive your future sin, 
would be to deny that his work on the cross was effectual in the first place. Jesus bears the sin of the whole world, not just your individual sins, but cosmically speaking, the sins of the entire creation. And the greater your sin, the more near he draws to you, cleaning you, alleviating you of the weight of those trespasses. You are no longer a sinner, but Christ is, because the sins of the whole world now rest on his shoulders. The devil may try and proclaim, you are a sinner. But Christ has a better word, for he turns that upside down. He says instead, no, I am the sinner, and that person is free to go. There is great simplicity in this phrase, and this is the simplicity of Christianity. Not that we'd move on to something bigger and better, but rest in the simple message. This is the hard work of the Christian life, not to move on to something else, but to not let anyone steal our joy in the basic message. Your word of encouragement today is this. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world.